Welcome back, everyone, to Six Pennies Podcast. It is another The Last Dance recap. We're going to do episode five and six. See myself, Mock, and Timmy. How are you guys? Pretty good. Uh, these, these episodes keep getting better and better. This one is loaded. It's crazy. Yeah. So I thought this, yeah, this pair of five and six was probably my favorite, even more than one and two. So I loved it. I mean, all the way from the beginning with Kobe to the Dream yeah. Team, Barkley, um, and even there's some Isaiah Thomas stuff in there too. So um, nice. I'm wearing Dream Team, Dream Team. Uh, how, nice. how many you 35-year-olds have so many <laughs> basketball jerseys? Like I got rid of, I, I, I never, was never too into it, but I got rid of all <laughs> seven of mine, I don't know, like seven or eight years ago. I, I don't need to put a flag over this logo right here. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's time, to, time to bring back the jerseys. I, I didn't have anything Olympics though, so I'm glad I, I still had this Kobe one. And I had I had a Drexler and a Barkley Olympics jersey. Olympics? Oh man, classic. All right, so before we get into the episodes, Timmy, can you do a quick shout out for Derek Shaw Farmers Insurance? Z Shaw Farmers Insurance. I just reached out to him recently, trying to get a quote on some life insurance. Um, as we're getting older and we have families, kids, it's important for us to be insured. So I reached out to Disha, um, hit him up at 214-729-6462. You can also check him out at facebook.com slash Derek Shaw Insurance. If you head to our Facebook page too, all of our sponsors are up there. Uh, but there's all sorts of discounts with Farmers Insurance. Um, if you have if you're looking for uh, home insurance, if you have new roofs, you get a discount there. If you have various occupations, they give discounts. And if you mention Six Pennies Podcast, you always get a great deal. Uh, Disha is ready to give you advice and um, just honest opinions. So reach out to Disha. His n- number, once again, is 214-729-6462. We're, we're playing golf again this Thursday, and I would not let him win this time. Wow. I'm, I'm down in the series, so I got to extend it. Okay, so the first five minutes, actually the first five seconds, it said, you know, this is in dedication to Kobe Bryant. Um, that's something they added, obviously, post um, post the crash. What you guys thought, what you guys think of Kobe's um, just interview? I think they went into the 98 All-Star game, which you guys know I watch religiously, and then he just talked about, like, learning from MJ. Timmy, I'll start with you. Um, I'll be honest, I, I got a little emotional there. It, was, it felt really surreal to see Kobe. Um, it didn't feel like a real person. I, I don't know. It felt like he was there again because it's brand new footage, right? You've never seen it before. Um, it was really touching to see. I, I kind of wish there was, um, I thought there was going to be more with Kobe, especially when they said it was dedicated to him. I was kind of disappointed that they they kept it really at that All-Star game. But it was, it was really cool to see just how Jordan was... Um, you know, talking about Kobe as the young kid who just wanted to go one-on-one. It was just great to hear him talk about him. Uh, and then Kobe coming back and just saying that Jordan was like a big brother and they talked all the time. It's it pretty awesome. It goes to show you, and I think you guys, the three of us agree where Kobe stands in terms of like his NBA Pantheon. I don't think we put him top five or anything like that. But it's just like the, the aura of Kobe Bryant. This is Michael Jordan, the most popular athlete probably the most popular person in the entire world at the time is calling out this 18 year old kid yeah in the locker room like he's not talking about anything else anybody else he's talking about this random bench player that made the all-star game as a starter like that is impressive how huge like the star of ryan was at the time 
Mark, your thoughts? I love this episode specifically because I think it gave us a, a closer glimpse of like the MJ mentality. And, and I think that mentality gets mixed a lot sometimes with uh, like Mamba mentality with Kobe's mindset. And, and I think that in that way, like you can talk about their careers and, and where Kobe ranks all time. But, but in terms of mentality, I think we would all agree that he was probably the closest we've seen in, in our lifetimes to, to just that win at all costs. And um, one thing that kind of stuck out to me was, I don't know if MJ was serious when he kind of reached out to, uh, to Kobe and was like, Hey, you know, whenever, if you ever need help or, or reach out at any time, but Kobe took that and just ran with it. And he, uh, I mean, I think he, he made that evident in his, uh, in the, in the speech he had at, at the ceremony after, after Kobe passed away that, you know, Kobe was just, just like a little bro to him and he would call him all the time, ask him like specific things on the court. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that's, that's incredible. I, I'm glad to see that they had that kind of relationship um, because yeah, the, just their mentality is like, Kobe's the first person I think about when I, when I see this kind of documentary in terms of how MJ, like, his approach to the game. Yeah. This is kind of a, it's not related, but in that All-Star game, it's just like a two second clip. Um, the game is over already. So the both, both benches are like uh, high-fiving each other and like basically talking crap to each other. And uh, one of them was Jordan and Gary Payton. And I remember, <laughs> it, remember it so clearly because when I was watching it as a kid, I'm like, man, I wonder why Gary Payton's always laughing, right? And then finally, I get the audio 15 oh, years later. <laughs> and it's it's about them joking that they'll see each other at the finals. And Jordan's like, I'll be there. I don't know if you will be there. And it, I mean, that's just, for me, it was like, oh, my God, 20 years clarity, finally. So that was that was really cool. Um, so I think we talked about this during Kobe's, you know, Mock and I, when we talked about, uh, you know, Kobe's passing and his, his career and all that. But that All-Star game, um, you know, this documentary showed, like, Jordan's turnaround fadeaway with the Anwan on Kobe. But I remember so much of what Kobe did. He had the 360 dunk. He had that alley-oop that they showed. Alley, the, the alley, yeah. He had a behind-the-back dribble that they didn't show, but it was, like, obviously Kobe was, like, at 18, 19 years old, was still going one-on-one for sure. Um, they met earlier that year in, in uh, the forum, and the Lakers actually blew them out. So it was like, um, it's really cool just to see like some footage. My favorite part of that whole All-Star footage is the locker room scene. Yeah. You have you have Penny, you have Grant Hill, you have Grant. like these stars in the East. And when Magic Johnson walks in, like everybody is just like silent. They just are in all of Magic. Jordan just like they're interacting like they're boys and then Larry Bird is the coach and it's like <laughs> it's like yeah. oh my god what is going on you know so I can't imagine what that would be like so okay so that's the all-star game hold on, hold, on, hold on so I was just gonna say a thing about Kobe um because I didn't get to get, go on the original pod I think it's just like that brash kind of cockiness that he had is something that is just so unique to him to go in there like you, you guys both mentioned like as a 19 year old kid and and try to be like mike and try to imitate him like to this overconfidence and the wherewithal is just like 
go and and think that he's going to be the best and like just as good as MJ. It's just incredible, and that's that's kind of what we're talking about in terms of like being as close to MJ as possible. He's like the only one who really thought he could. You have all these people that the media said would be from Penny to Grant Hill to Jerry Stackhouse. But, like, none of them really wanted it the way Kobe did. And Kobe made it happen as closely as possible. So, man, incredible guy. What What about uh, Russell Westbrook? What about him? Well, MJ has said repeatedly that Westbrook is, is him 30 years ago. Okay. Right? Yeah, I don't <laughs> Maybe mentality-wise, but the difference with Kobe yeah. is he had the mentality. But he 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 literally like modeled his entire game, yeah, all of his moves, all moves. Yeah. the way he walks, the way he talks, the way he dribbles, yeah, it's like Michael Jordan. It's crazy. Sorry, it's like on the <laughs> score table. Uh, one one other thing I wanted to bring up was um, so from that game, you're right. Like so, Kobe as a 19 year old, he was a bench player, but he was voted in as a starter. He shot the most shots. He was like seven for 21 or whatever. Um, I remember he was interviewed at halftime. It was Jim Gray, because it's NBC. It was Jim Gray and it was him, and it was Jack Nicholson. So I was like, well, this is really big, right? And then they asked Kobe, and Kobe's just going through his, like, coached-up answers and stuff. And then they asked Jack Nicholson. He was like, they asked him, like, hey, what do you think Kobe should do? And Nicholson just takes the mic and goes, get loose just get loose and i was like this kid so weird this is all over him but um yeah go. i think albert i think you would know this answer better than maybe me or timmy but uh just since you have that those vhs tapes back in the day do you feel like all-star game was played differently back then like when was the cutoff to where it became i, I know it entered back a little bit into kind of the competitive spirit this past year with at least with the fourth quarter. But I feel like if my memory serves me correctly, like back in the nineties, like they were kind of going at each other the whole game. It wasn't just a scoring exhibition. Yeah. Great question. So the early nineties, so I have 92, 93 and 94. Those games were extremely competitive. 93 actually went into overtime. It was Shaq's rookie year. So everybody was literally going at him. Charles was trying to block him. Carl Malone was trying to block him. Um, and then, like, he dumped over, I think, like, Robinson or something like that, and then no one, no one wanted to touch him anymore. It was, you're right, it was very competitive because Jordan had 30, uh, Malone and Stockton won MVP, but then when it got to the Kobe age, the later 90s, um, it became more of a show. It was still competitive, but it was like, okay, let me show off my dribbling, like, Stefan Marbury or Allen Iverson. It was more, or Vince Carter dunks. Like, it was more of that. And when... Except for 2001, man. Except for 2001 when those guys put on a show and they took down the West. That was incredible. Yeah, yeah true, mm-hmm. true. Point guard, really. Um, it wasn't until the Millennials, and I admit, like, LeBron was probably the spearhead of this. He comes in, and it becomes, like, you know how I feel, Mock, with players today. It's, like, too cool for school. I don't want to do anything to really risk me not looking cool or taking an L, so I'm just going to play at 80%. With that being said, even the 2000s and 2010s, it's it wasn't competitive. But the fourth quarters have always been somewhat competitive. This previous fourth quarter was awesome, but before that, it's always been like, yeah, it's always been like I want to win type of thing. I mean, I remember when it was here in Dallas, it was a 
it was a close game late in the fourth quarter, and LeBron dunked on Dirk to like go up two, and it was like a really big deal. So, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, if you interview Isaiah and Magic, because I remember this from one of those All Star games, they said that they are the reason why they it turned into a show, because Isaiah actually in the '80s and '90s was like our present day Kyrie. Like, he had all the handles, had all the moves. So he was doing that in the All-Star game. And then Magic was doing all his no-look stuff. So he, it was all about, like, a, giving a show for the fans. Mm. Jordan just made it, like, ultra-competitive just because that's Jordan, right? And, mm. I mean, before, before that 93 game, and I know I'm going off in a tangent here, but Jeez. the East had won, like, seven years in a row. So before that 93 game with... Malone and Stockton, it was all the East, so the West was getting pissed. Um, that's, did did they really it. win co-MVPs? They were, it was in Salt Lake City, and they won. <laughs> so dumb. So <laughs> dumb. <laughs> all right, go to, go to Isaiah. I think, I think Isaiah's next, right? What was that? Did they go straight to Isaiah next, or is that... Oh, no, they went to Drexler next. Oof. Drexler. I mean, let's get into that because I actually don't have much memory about Clyde Drexler. You guys have him from a Houston perspective, but do you guys remember anything from Portland, Clyde Drexler? No, I don't. It's just his his hairline is is kind of embarrassing. That should have gone should have gone bald earlier. Um, he he just doesn't look like he's going to be as good as Michael Jordan, and he wasn't. There's just there's no comparison. I felt bad for a lot of guys in this in this these two episodes. It's like Clyde Drexler. Uh, Tony yeah. Kukoc, like Kukoc. they're they're like one two. And Kukoc is hilarious. I love I love that part. Yeah, Kukoc, you just feel bad for the kid. Like, <laughs> like they take turns. Like, again, it goes back to the mentality that I, I was talking about that I that I love seeing. Uh, just Jordan and Pippen telling the rest of the Dream Teamers, like, hey, me and me and Pippen got him. Everyone else, like, we're gonna shut him down, and and they did. Holding a four points, that's on a national. Uh, is just. For for that to be Tony's like first impression of of his new teammates, it's that's crazy to think about. I feel like so Jordan is more like outwardly, so you know when he's like trying or he's serious. But I, for some reason, like the last few episodes, I I feel like Pippen is like more like he holds more grudges. Like he, I feel like he hates Kraus way more than Jordan does. He hated. He was the one that said. Kuko shouldn't even come to the NBA at Jordan's. Well, he, he was broke, man. He was broke. True. He was or he mad. thought he was broke, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel Money like... he was getting his money. Pippen had more reason to be upset. But then, like, I, I feel like there's multiple times, too, where Pippen is the guy that, like, takes these these guys down. Like, he's the one that has the huge game against the Pistons or the Knicks or whatever. Or, uh, in this case, Kuko. It's like, Pippen is is legit. You guys you guys uh, <laughs> wrong about him. Yeah, he shows up for big games, but like in an 82 game schedule, like to me, he's just a, a normal All Star game. We'll, we'll have to make a top 50 list in, okay. in the, see if Pippen shows up on there. So um, I was I was watching a Charles Barkley interview, um, I think last night. I've I've been like so enveloped into these two episodes. I've I've watched a lot of Jason Hire interviews, Charles Barkley, Isaiah Thomas, obviously. But Barkley was saying how. Um, you know, everybody knows in Barcelona they would play golf all day, play the, play the two-hour basketball game, and then go to Monte Carlo and gamble literally all night. Like, Jordan didn't sleep. He 
didn't even sleep like in the limo because he's playing cards in the limo. But uh, they were saying how they would play cards every night. So him, so it's Michael, Magic, Charles, and Scotty. Scotty, yeah. And they were talking about how like Scotty and Charles at the time, this is 92, they didn't have like a fraction of <laughs> and Jordan. So it's like if, if us, if we were to go with like a really balling friend, we would just be watching. And that's what Scott, <laughs> Scotty all in Barcelona. It must be so hard to play against them then. Like if they're playing, I mean, they didn't play poker, but whatever they play, if they're like betting on stuff, it's like, it's, it's just like a different level, right? It's like us playing against, I don't know, like, somebody with a ton of money yeah there, it, there was a funny meme right that came out of this episode was like nobody could beat jordan except that one security guy in the united center <laughs> <laughs> okay it was incredible was twice. twice all right so let, okay. let's go let's go to the olympics what do you guys remember about dream team and let's expand on tony kukoc and all of that well, they got into, uh, I think they went into the selection process first, and poor Isaiah, um, they really built him out to be kind of the, um, just like unfair scapegoat in that case. Um, but they also kind of made it where, like, both Jordan and, uh, who was it, Rod Thorne, they both could kind of, like, blame each other or, like, take no blame for Isaiah not being on the team. Um, right. And Jordan's just like, yeah, there was never a discussion. They just said that Isaiah wasn't going to be on it, but then kind of the... The other end is it's kind of obvious that Isaiah wasn't going to be on it. I, I like how they justified it by saying that everybody hated him. It wasn't just like MJ. Scotty. <laughs> yeah. It was like Magic and Bird hated him too. Right. So it's like, of course it's not going to work out when your top like four or five guys all hate this one guy. They can't all be on the same team together. Yeah, he just got in a fight with Carl Malone like a few months before that. He and Pippen has always hated each yeah. other. Yeah, like half the team wasn't, wasn't on his side. Yeah. Um, but one thing that Jason hired, the director, said on Jalen Kobe was he actually didn't show, like, so Michael Jordan got a call from Rod Thorne, and Michael Michael says, um, you know, who's who's going to be on the team? And Rod is like, the person you're thinking about is not on the team. So according to Jason Hire, that's all facts. But Jason Hire also was told to leave out a couple things. So. Mm. We don't know for sure that it was Jordan that said no Isaiah Thomas or was it Magic or maybe it was a collection of people, but there's yeah. definitely more to it than just, okay, uh, Michael Jordan, as you know, you said Isaiah's not playing, then okay, I'll play. I think there's definitely more to it than that. I, I mean, it, it, he's definitely has a, he definitely has a case as a Dream Team snub, but who, who would he have replaced? John Stockton, like yeah. Magic Johnson during that time? No, it's Stockton. It had to be Stockton, it's right? Stockton for sure. Like, yes. Stockton was the last edition, yeah. Yeah, Stockton wasn't. I mean, Stockton is an all all time leader in assistance deals, right? But that's because he played for ten more years after that. This is really, really interesting layer. So John Stockton actually had Isaiah Thomas speak for him at Stockton's Hall of Fame speech, and they asked him about it because they were like, because you know, for Michael Jordan, it was um, I forgot his name. His name. But anyways, Stockton had Isaiah, and they asked Stockton about it. He's like, there's a lot of things that Isaiah did behind the scenes that nobody knows about. They only know, like, the feuds and the people that hate him. But, you know, I'm Karl Malone's teammate, and I love Isaiah. Like, I brought him here to speak to me. So, like, um, that was when, when I kind of, like, connected the dots there. Like, there's so much drama within uh, Dream Team. But... Jordan is right. Like, if you if you watch that 
you know, that section of the interview again, he said, Dream Team, that team was like, it just hit, right? Like everybody got along with each other. Um, they had that amazing, you know, practice that everybody talks about. Like all that stuff probably wouldn't have happened, right? If another Isaiah Thomas would have changed the dynamic up, maybe they wouldn't have gone gambling as much. Maybe they wouldn't have like the same conversations. Like you just never know. And I mean, looking back on it, it sucks, right, for Isaiah. But it was really cool for Jordan to say, even though I hate Isaiah Thomas, after Magic Johnson, he's the best point guard in the history. He's put yeah. number two. Yeah. I uh, I think it's funny looking back at the the practice, the infamous practice, mm, which they talked about. Yeah. They talked about it for so many years. Like, oh, it was the most incredible practice. Like, I can't. Bl- it was unbelievable what was happening, but nobody has any tapes. They said this for like 15 or 20 years, and all of a sudden it resurfaced for the Dream Team doc, I don't know, five, six years ago. And it's like it's like perfect footage. It's like it, somebody was clearly like recording it the whole time. They like they zoom in, like they have referees. Of course they had the footage the entire time. It's so funny. The funny is it's like if you look at the court, there's like there's no lines. Yeah, they're like, know. oh, he made a three. No, there's no threes. Yeah, I, I don't know how you play basketball <laughs> with like like bounce. Like it's just, it's just like a court. It's weird to me, but it was cool when Magic Johnson was mad at a call and he just throws the ball out. <laughs> <laughs> this is just like Chicago Stadium. Chicago Stadium, yeah. <laughs> now my favorite thing from that, uh, like I, I told you guys before, I have no recollection of any sports before '94. Uh, but from that '92 Dream Team documentary, was uh, John Stockton going into like just the crowd with the camcorder, and he's yeah. wearing like the the dream team shirt with the cartoon heads with his head on there. He's like asking them about the team. No one recognizes him. He's just like another white guy just lost in the crowd. Um, but I, I don't know, like for me again, like he is a snub, but he's not that big of a snub in terms of Isaiah Thomas, like John Stockton. He's, 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 he was legit. But Isaiah had, had just won two titles in a row. Best yeah. Um, I maybe Timmy can look it up, but I'm sure he was all team, all NBA first team point guard during those years. Like, I mean, it is it is pretty bad. Um, he, I, I think he clearly should have been there over over Stockton at the time. It's not like Stockton was bad, but I, I think it was pretty clear. I mean, the only other guy I guess possibly would be like Chris Mullen, but Mullen was was awesome at that time too. They had to keep Leitner there because they wanted somebody from college, but like Mullen is probably the next guy. But it's not the right replacement, right? Yeah. Um, but did you guys know that they have like the box score from from that game now, from that practice? Monte Carlo? Yes. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, because people have watched the entire thing, so there's like a box score of it. Um, it's <laughs> it's lay, funny lay because it on us. what's that? Lay it on us, like give us some stats. Yeah, it's so magic. Uh, so Magic's team is Magic and, and Barkley. They're the leaders, right? And then it's it's Robinson, Mullen, and Leitner. So Magic only scores two points in the game. I'm sorry, he, he scores four points. He makes one field goal, he makes two free throws. That's it in the whole game. He only has two assists. I don't know what he's doing the whole time. Um, Barkley's leading them in scoring, but actually their second leading scorer is Christian Leitner. He was actually doing pretty good, uh, and the reason is because he is being guarded by Bird, who is still like hurt. So the other team is is Bird, Jordan Pippen, Ewing, and Malone. Uh, and obviously Jordan, I think, just tore it up at the end. He scored 17 points out of the the 40 that they had. I think he scored, like, they said in the documentary, like, he's just started going crazy, so... Um, it's funny to see the box score of that. Was was it a timed game or was it like a pickup game, like to a point total? I don't know the answer to that. 
I don't know, but who plays a pickup game to 40? And there's free throws? Like, it's, it's weird. It's three to 40. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, going to, like, the Kukoc stuff, uh, if you guys are ready, I, I thought it was... I thought it was cool that they um, that they told the full story of Kukoc, like where he came from, from his country being war ravaged and their um, the civil war at Yugoslavia, and but I, I just think like his interview was great. I had read this beforehand how he talked about uh, he just didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was just funny just seeing him. He's like, I didn't I didn't know anything was wrong. I thought it was gonna be fun and like you see him like wearing Jordan, <laughs> a warm up jacket walking around. It's just so yeah. awesome. How he, um, how he had to take that, but then he came back and, and did really well in the gold medal game. That's that's kind of the impressive part. I mean, Kukoc, I think, is super underrated nowadays. Nobody even thinks about him except for this, but he was a pretty good player at that time. Between 94 and 98, he was he was really good for, for the Bulls, and he ended up getting a big contract out of it. But, I mean, I if I was Scotty or Michael, I would be pissed too, right? Like, why is Jerry Krause such a... Sure, like, you can always evaluate talent and go scout talent, but you don't have to publicly say... Tony Kukoc is going to be the, you know, the, the franchise for, us for the 10 years. Like, why, why do you say, you know, like, you're, you're the one that really inflicting things like that. So I do like how Charles, um, when he got interviewed at the end, he was like, I don't know anything about Tony, like, Kukoc or whatever, but yeah. um, <laughs> Chicago has any money and they need to pay someone. I think it's clear that it needs to be Scotty. I mean, it's cool that they're looking out for each other. Jerry Cross really had some sort of complex. Like, I mean, yeah, I think I think they had showed the interview right after they won the second the second uh, second championship, and he he's yeah. this franchise like ten times. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just he wanted the he wanted a lot of the, he deserved the credit, but you don't go out and ask for you don't go out and seek it. You know, just let history play itself out. Um, I don't know. Definitely yeah, rubbed they, me the wrong way. Yeah. They get into it. Definitely Napoleon complex, like you said. Um, I know we're going chronic- chronological order, so the next one would probably be Sons and that series. Um, but I, one thing I wanted to point out was actually, you know, the first couple times you we did this as a recap, I didn't really agree with you guys in terms of like going back and forward in terms of time. But these two episodes, I did, I did feel like they didn't have to do that. Like oh, they, nice. yeah, they could have just kept it chronological and. Um, it did feel fragmented in the way they did it for these two episodes. I yeah, I mean, I, I think one thing they tried to do, so I, I, I'm kind of with you guys. I like these episodes a lot. I think season uh, episode five was was the best of, of yeah. what we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, because everything we talked about so far has all been season f- uh, episode five. Episode six, I wasn't as big on it. It didn't capture me the same way. Um, but like, I, I think the reason why they had to, they decided to do the jumps in these episodes was they talk about the popularity of Jordan in the 92, mm-hmm. 93, like in Dream Team, how popular they were. And they moved to like 97, 98 when like the popularity is off the roof, um, off the charts, the media is all over them. Um, I, I thought it was funny how they showed the, the scene with Seinfeld coming in. Um, <laughs> and I mean, Seinfeld was huge at that time. He was yeah. like, show by far he was about to leave on top of his game like you mentioned so he also looked really tall in the video i don't know if you guys thought this but i thought he looked pretty tall compared to michael jordan i had to look up how tall he is and what do you think if you had to guess jerry seinfeld height six one six two i think he's five eleven according to according oh. to the internets but he looked pretty he looked pretty he's tall wearing really tall shoes or something yeah he might have been wearing shoes and jordan wasn't wearing shoes in the locker room okay. in the hair. yeah, yeah. Um, 
So you guys know how last time I mentioned that I had NBA or Michael Jordan hang time and Michael Jordan playground. Yeah. Um, so Jason hired the director. It seems like he stole a lot of the dream team footage from that. So like Jordan walking to the uh, the stadium by himself or Jordan with a huge billboard of him behind him, like all that stuff I had already seen as a kid. And I was like, and you're just stealing from these videos here. Um, but one thing I know we, the three of us kind of talked offline about this but um, the reason why The Last Dance originally was not going to be released until like late June NBA Finals time is because they were actually still working on it. And they're still working on it till, till this day. So the reason why they ended up choosing the date that they did was they just, uh, they, they were like, okay, so when would 9 and 10 come out? And then we'll just backtrack there. So right now, from what I read, and what I saw from Jason Heyer is, he just did an interview with John Stockton. So that's going to be a nine, which is most likely the, the Jazz back-to-back final series. Wow. Uh, and they haven't even, like, they're still cutting 10. Like, they're not even close to being done. I guess it's May 5th now, but maybe in a week or two, they'll be done with 10. So it's like, it's crazy, right? It's just, That's kind of weird. I mean, yeah, I thought it's something, like, they've already finished, like, a year ago. And... Yeah, I mean, because they announced the date a, a long time ago, and it's supposed to be, it was supposed to be aired what mid June, like during the finals. So it's only a two month difference. Like, where they weren't, cl- it's it's strange that they hadn't even cut the footage yet. I can understand like last edit edits and like removing stuff or music or whatever, but it's kind of weird that they're still doing interviews right now. It's it's incredible. Yeah. It's also probably so hard. Like, can you imagine working remotely and trying to all edit together? Um, like, <laughs> I'm sure they're trying to social distance as much as possible, right? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so another thing that Jason hired is more inside information was, um, so Michael Jordan for the documentary was interviewed a few times, but it's two main times. It was like one in late 2018, when he was wearing like the blue shirt or whatever. Shorts, and then, not shorts. Then they didn't meet again until 11 months later. Um, and then that's the other shirt that he's wearing. But basically, Jason Hire, before that second meeting, gave him like a bunch of questions. Um, not so Jordan can prepare and like read from it, but just like kind of familiarize with the conversation they're going to talk about. And then they finally see each other during that second meeting. And first thing Jordan said was, I know you sent me questions, but I didn't look at them. This is. He, he he he's rated our language obviously but he was like i didn't i didn't look at him i'm just going to tell you everything you want so just ask whatever i'm going to tell you anything and that's when the whole isaiah conversation came about so yeah um, but it was cool yeah and then jordan was able to cut whatever he wanted right or or say that he couldn't use it so um another thing Jalen so Jay, this is on Jalen jacoby and Jalen was like so i gotta ask like when we watched Jordan, he has like this, you know, glass of scotch on the side. Sometimes it's full, sometimes it's empty, sometimes it's middle. Like, how many scotches did that guy drink during the interview? Because it's like a two and a half hour interview. And Jason Heyer was like, actually, it was just one glass. If you look at where the, the level of the drink is, and then also the lighting, because it's next to a window, you can tell that even though, um, you know, it, it's. Sh- it was shot just straight, but it was like cut where it's like moving, right? The pieces uh, are moving. You could be talking about Isaiah at 5.30 and then Larry Bird at 8, but then because they're talking about Larry Bird here, he might 
Yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's interesting. Another interesting point is, so Michael's Michael's mom was in the house while they're doing an interview. Dolores? Michael's mom didn't let him have a cigar. (laughs) (laughs) And when I heard that, yeah, when I heard that, I was like, if you think about all the footage of like Jordan golfing, Jordan driving, like he has... Like, how black do you think his lungs are? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know. She knows what she's doing because she looks like she has not aged. Um, or She looks like she's the same age as MJ, so I don't know. Maybe she's right. And and she led him to Nike, or she convinced him to go to Nike. That's true. Oh, we skipped all the Nike stuff. Yeah, you you want to get into that? Yeah, well, I that's that's the one takeaway for me from, from these two episodes. Just I never knew... Uh, I had heard before how close he was to leaving Nike, like around the time of Jordan 3. So like 1987, 88. Uh, But I I never knew that it was such a big thing, Nike versus Adidas, back when when he first signed. Um, And and then, of course, the big player during that time was Converse. And it's just crazy how everything flipped since then. And, And who knows what kind of the shoe landscape would look like if he had chosen Adidas, right? Adidas lost Michael and LeBron in a span of 15 years. Like that company, yeah, you're right. The landscape of shoe, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that was that's right. He left Adidas, but it was he wasn't like a LeBron or Michael at the time, is what I'm saying. Like, I I think he would have. He was probably pretty close when he left Adidas, right? Kobe. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean the landscape would have been completely different. And the cool thing about Michael and shoes and and Nike and all that was he was always into the build, the design, the technology behind it. It was cool how, and we're skipping ahead, but, you know, his last game in the garden, he was wearing, like, the original (laughs) OG ones, and it's like, he said, like, he took it off and his socks were just soaked in blood. Soaked. Yeah, that's... It's crazy. Well, okay, so what, what do you guys think about that last game in the garden? Like, do you think he wore that just kind of for nostalgia's sake, or was it for more like kind of business reasons to re-release the ones? Because I, I read I read some article I think on ESPN uh, where I I was looking for where to stream episodes five and six, and they had a quote from Kobe saying like he didn't believe any of that. Be, like Kobe, like he he said Jordan didn't wear those ones because. You know, it's the one. It's the same shoes he wore the first time in the garden. It was because he was about to re-release the shoes to the public, and and he wanted the hype back. Hmm. I mean, I would say I would say both, but eighty yeah. percent is probably business reasons. Yeah, Def- definitely both. Yeah. Um, okay, so ninety-three series finals, and I guess I want to get into this because I actually watched three of the games all the way through. Jeez. Been watching a lot of basketball. Hey, did you um, did you did you watch these with the scotch as well? No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So Charles at the time he won MVP. Um, apparently, it pissed off Michael Michael Jordan. Just like the year two years later when you know they gave it to David Robinson and pissed off Hakeem. But um, what do you guys think of that series? Because it was a lot a lot closer than people realize. The great thing about Michael Jordan is he's 6-0 and in the finals, but he's never even gotten to a Game 7. He would take care of teams 
in six games. Um, but Timmy, do you remember anything from that series? What do you take away from that series? Um, uh, I'm kind of like Mock. Like, I don't remember that much from it. Um, I know the Suns were, were good. I don't remember the series itself, and you're probably going to tell us a lot more about it um from you know you're the one that watched it but i i just liked barkley's reactions i think the barkley interview in, in episode six was probably the probably the best part um him saying that you know the first time he realized somebody was definitely better than him on the court i i mean i, I love that because you know as these great athletes they have to think that they're the best right and barkley was awesome and he was the mvp um but then he got to that point he's like you know it's this guy's better than me it's it's okay to be beat by him um i'm sure to this day he's thinking about that series, thinking he should have won because they were like, they were so close. They, they got blown out in game one. But besides that, I don't know if they, if they had been up for game one, who knows, maybe they would have won it all. He says the only thing he regrets from that series is game one. He said he didn't get his team ready enough for game one. Before he knew it, they were down 0-1. Yeah. Game two was a lot more competitive, right? But I mean, when you're down 0-2, you lose home court already. It's extremely tough to come back from that. Um, but yeah, according to, you know, just going back on Charles' statement being like the best player. So Charles, I'm looking at his stats. He had 42 points, 13 rebounds, four assists, great game, right? Jordan, like, mimicked the whole thing. Jordan himself had 42 points, 12 rebounds, nine assists. Like, it's just, it's just crazy. Like, no matter how good you are, like, Jordan was always going to match you at his, like, minimum. And then he's going to do a little extra to beat you. Mark, do you remember anything from that series? No, not not in terms of remembering back in 93. But, uh, again, for me, it goes back to motivation. Like, these great players or, or players specifically like Jordan, they just find different ways to motivate themselves. Like, you, you mentioned, like, maybe after you win a couple, you kind of lose some of that passion for the game. So he had, he, he had almost had to make, like, mind games for himself a little bit, like saying, you know, Oh yeah, that's my. That should have been my MVP. Even though he doesn't doesn't seem like he really cared about it that much, but it just triggered something in his mind to where it gave him that extra sense of, okay, I have to not only beat this team, but I have to like destroy them. I think he averaged like forty three a game in that finals. Forty one. Uh, yeah. So so quotes like that in it, like how MJ had to not just beat you, he had to like crush you. I think that's that was my takeaway from from. I guess not only that finals, but kind of that entire episode. I'm looking what at the, I'm yeah. looking at the stats, and he averaged 41, eight and a half, and six. Incredible stats. He only shot, uh, he shot under 70 percent from the free throw line. So I, I don't know. It could have been more than 41 easily. Uh, one underrated guy though in this in this series, Scotty man, 21 points, nine boards, and 7.7 assists, two steals. It's incredible. Anyway. Probably guarding Charles Barkley the majority. Guarding of the time. Barkley and then switching over to KJ, he's probably doing it all. Yeah, so one thing I wanted to bring up, and again, I'm not trying to slander Michael Jordan, but if you watch the end of game six specifically, so I watched four, five, and six. If you watch the end of six when they clinched it, the Suns were actually up four with yeah, the ball. Yep. Up four with the ball with 48 seconds left. Um, they get a wide open, like 17 footer from Frank Johnson. He barely misses, which is fine. Or Jordan grabs a rebound, 40 seconds left. Literally yep. nobody's guarding him. Yeah. Dribbles the court. It's, it's ridiculous. There's, there's literally nobody guarding him. I mean, just, it was a, it was a sneaky little like slip screen in the backcourt. So he could go all the way. They didn't know. They didn't know who's going to take the shot. <laughs> Stand up and get the ball out of his hands. 
he gets a wide, wide open layup. So open, yeah. It took like three seconds. Incredible. Yeah, and then the very next, so the next possession, the Suns um, have the ball. They're actually milking the clock, which is the right play. They're up to uh, Dan Marley has like a 15 foot baseline jumper. He jumps off his wrong foot because he's he's like so uh, the moment's way too big for him. Right? So he, <laughs> well, he's wide open. Probably two seconds left in the shot clock. He jumps off the wrong foot. And he shoots his 15-foot shot like 13 feet. It was like three feet short of the rim. Like it was, it didn't even hit the, it didn't even hit the net. That's how but, short it. Was. But Jerry Cross loves it, man. Dan Marley. Yeah. <laughs> been rebound. They call timeout, and then you obviously the John Paxson three. What do you guys um, think about that three though? Like Horace Grant seemed pretty. Like why didn't he just take the layup? He was pretty close. That that's not a time in the league when you would kick it out for three when you have like a pretty good layup chance do you think like he was scared or do you think he just wanted to go for the win or he admitted he was scared oh was he he did yeah paxton admitted it wasn't even supposed to go to him so well yeah i mean yeah well i i think i remember like danny ainge crashed down uh all the way down to horace which led paxton Paxton right open right um i I don't like that whole thing i don't know why why is kj like full court press like why full court press on michael like that kind of, it's not his fault, but it kind of triggered the whole play. Like kind of scramble, out of, yeah, going into a scramble mode. I think I think I'm sure. Or I'm sure you guys, as Rockets fans, probably have really good memories of how good Kevin Johnson was. Yeah, but I was in, thinking of the kiss of death shot because it's the same thing, right? Like the same all, thing. Yeah, like, they full court press for out of nowhere to try to, I guess, blow it up and get a three. KJ in this series was not good at it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was probably like the sixth best player. He wasn't even close. So um, you could blame it on KJ. I mean, Charles performed. Dan Marley actually played really well. His defense is atrocious, even though he was first team all defense that year. Oh. <laughs> um, but it was, it was just bad. And Marley I, averaged seven, 17 and eight boards in the series. That's impressive. The impressive yeah. thing is Jordan was playing golf with them every day. Marley, Danny Ainge, Charles Barkley. <laughs> so here's team one. So Chicago had just finished their big series with New York, and it was tough. And Mason, Charles Oakley, all that. Um, before game one, Michael and Charles went to play golf. And Michael beat him, I think. But then on the way home, Michael bought him a $25,000 diamond ring. And Michael's like, yeah, twenty five thousand is nothing to me, man. Like, I, I let me just buy this. For you. <laughs> what? There, people are saying the reason why he bought that for Charles is because like, game one was literally next day, so he was like, I, I don't, I wanted Charles just be soft on me. Like, if I'm taking it yeah. to the rim, I want an elbow. If I'm taking it to the rim, I just want Charles to let me go. So, Michael playing mind games. Games. Well, it's all, so it's all setting up. Um, I mean, so you, you just mentioned it before, the golf stuff. Um, they talk about gambling and the Atlantic City trip in the Knicks series. So I think they start getting really into kind of the negatives and, the you know, what the media perception was of the gambling and, and of, you know, the staying up all night playing cards, like the competitiveness. I thought it was funny when he was, um, you know, he had the interview with Ahmad with the sunglasses. Um, and then <laughs> even when he's talking to the camera, he's like, because I don't have a gambling problem, I have a competitive problem. Um, I I like to I like to play cards. You know, we we went we went to Atlanta, Atlanta City. What, what's the problem? He's spoken like a true problem uh, addict. Like 
he definitely has a problem with gambling, and it's so funny that he tries to justify it. The interesting I, fit with Atlantic City is his dad actually took him. <laughs> yeah, you, you think it was just his dad that wanted to go? Yeah, according to Michael, he was like, yeah, my dad just wanted us to get away from the city. Yeah, they were, they're, they're, they're back by midnight, man. They're back by midnight. 12.30, 1 o'clock. I mean, I really, I, I do believe him, though, like, in terms of it, I mean, he, he's saying it to word it a little different, differently, but it is a competition problem. Like, when you're yeah. in that mindset all the time, and, and, and I think it's clear when he's, like, even on the plane, when he's playing these high-stakes games with, you know, Ron Harper and Scottie Pippen, and then he, he feels the need or the urge to go play with, like, sit down with Paxson and, and the and the guys playing a dollar hand, too. Like, he, he just... It's not about winning to him. It's or it's not about the amount. It's just the feeling of winning. So yeah. in that sense, yeah, and 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 really like gambling and or that casino is. and like golf is like the perfect outlet for it, right? Yeah. No, but I mean, that 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 feeds right into the gambling problem, right? Like when he's on the golf course with these random guys, I don't know who they are, but he's losing, you know, hundred bucks per hole, and he's like, well, I won forty bucks on this hole, but who knows how much before that he's already lost. <laughs> Yeah, that one guy with the jerry curl where Michael Jordan had to go to court for him. Like, that guy looks so suspicious. Scumbag, man, yeah. (laughs) That guy was bad, man. And then the the book with the other, the San Diego coach or whatever, with all those gambling stories. Obviously, we didn't get all of it. um, But one thing I will say that is that it's probably a bigger deal in the early 90s than, like, now. I think now... People would still look down on it, but it wouldn't be as big of a deal. Like if they had gone into supposedly Michael Jordan's other stuff, then yeah, that that's probably bigger. But gambling, I mean, it is what it is. Like I know they say ten thousand dollars to Michael Jordan is like ten bucks for us. Um, it's 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 it sucks that he views money that way, but at the same time, it's it's true, right? It's, that's how rich people view money. But I mean, did you did you guys feel I guess pity is maybe too strong of a word, but do you guys feel a little sorry for Michael at any point during these two episodes, especially when they talked about kind of his lifestyle, like really having, really being holed up in hotels, like not being able to go anywhere. And, and that's why I bring up like the golf and casino thing. Like those are golf is like a private, private club. You know, you can't have anyone just going up to you for autographs, uh, no cameras, uh, or at least not from a short distance. And casinos, you know, no cameras in there at all. Like, to me, not to justify, you know, this gambling addiction or this competitive problem that he had, but, like, those two were almost, like, his only options in terms of escaping or in terms of, like, taking a break, in terms of taking a mental, you know, break from basketball. So so I'm biased, right? I think, to answer your question, if LeBron James had never existed – then I, today I would probably feel sorry for Michael Jordan. But I think LeBron James shows me that you can be the most popular person in the world and still be n- not wholesome, but you don't feel like you're overwhelmed. Like LeBron is, has the personality where he can actually like accept it, kind of like revel and excel in it. And then the way LeBron escapes is I feel like he's just so into his kids and his family. Whereas, like, Michael Jordan, to me, is is a little more selfish. Like, his escape is me time, I need to go gamble. And I think that's the difference. And again, if LeBron had never existed and I never had seen that model, then, yeah, maybe I would be a little more sympathetic. 
or sympathy for for Michael. I don't know. I think it's it's uh, you know a personality thing, like you mentioned. So the LeBron, LeBron versus MJ, like they're just different people, and you know definitely good points about LeBron. I do think though that like for MJ, it's a different era, and he is the first one that has had that kind of popularity. Um, like LeBron has known this popularity since he was a teenager, right? Since he was 16, 17 years old. Uh, so he's grown up with it. But for MJ, like I feel like it exploded on him in the late 80s into the early 90s, right? Like. And it got crazy because you saw you see some of the footage in the early 90s or even in um, the Dream Team. It, it just doesn't compare to like the 97, 98 when like there are literally cameras and people every single place that he turns. Um, so I do feel like a little bit of um, not like I, I don't feel bad for him. I mean, this is, you know, th- this is what you do. Right. And, and Jordan does a great job of it. You can't have it both ways. right? You can't like run your off the court business in a way that you're going to be this this crazy businessman or this mogul right and then also expect to be private it's just yeah territory yeah Um, i mean i i think mj handled it for the most part pretty well um obviously we see the breaking point and we're gonna see it even more in the next couple episodes like they're gonna i think last week i said that we're gonna go through these two championships and then get to like the retirement and gambling problems so I, i went a little bit ahead but I mean, that's definitely going to be episode seven and eight, right? It's first oh, retirement. Yeah. It, it might be some more about his dad. I'm hoping there's more about his his dad and his family life because that part is really crazy. Um, and then the, the return. Yeah, I think it goes back to identity too and, and kind of what we expect from our athletes, right? Um, I, uh, MJ touched on it a little bit in this these couple episodes, especially I think he brought up like he didn't want to be the role model, maybe not necessarily in those words, um, but I, I think it's true. Like he, he said it kind of in passing to kind of not want to, uh, not, not want to sponsor whatever, uh, Democrat race, democratic race, but yeah. he said, he's always just viewed himself as a basketball player. And I think that's true. I think, I think everything that we've seen in the documentary so far, like that, that's what his whole identity is kind of engulfed in. Right. Um, whereas someone like, Le, like a LeBron, I don't get that sense from him. Uh, not not to take away any, anything from his basketball accomplishments, but even even just the tagline, like more than an athlete, right? I I feel like he views his life more more uh, I guess more big picture, not just on the basketball court. So in the same way, though, like I, I feel like the the failures that that MJ had on the basketball court affected him a lot greater than than like someone like Le- LeBron, where uh, you know, in the past, he's he's brought up like you know he he can only do um, he can live with it, yeah, yeah, he can live with it. it, it you can, like it's not it's not going to tear away at him like like MJ has described. It 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 used to be I admit it used to be something I really hate about Michael because he would he's like OJ right he he didn't have a stance right um, even though Harvey Harvey Gantz and then the incumbent was like a well known racist yeah. he still like go against them like all that stuff i used used to really hate but you know i've actually kind of um i've kind of softened my stance because there's been so many cases where michael jordan without the spotlight would do things for you know black activism or you know like the wizards year when he played he donated all that to 9-11 like all this Mm. stuff um it's not as like showy as a like a lebron Mm. Or hate him. LeBron just wants to be. If he does something, he wants to be recognized for it, right? Whereas Le- Jordan, 
it's it's not the same. So, but I will say like that is um, brilliant, right? On Jordan's like PR team or marketing team, because he didn't want to be a role model, but he they came out with a song like Mike. Like it's yeah. it's like it's, it's a. I mean, that is probably one of the most iconic commercial songs or tunes ever, right? And that the whole that whole lyric is being a role model. You want to be like Michael Jordan. So, um, all right, go ahead, Timmy. Sorry, I've been cutting you up. No, I'm good. I'm excited for the the next couple. I think we're gonna get to some really awesome stuff. I I do. I don't think episode five is gonna be topped, but uh, we got some good stuff coming. I agree. Five was my favorite as well. Um, all right, let's go ahead and end this, Timmy. Lone Factory. Lone Factory. All right, man. That's Billy Nguyen, our guy at Lone Factory based out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, his number is 469-585-4498. Lone Factory is uh, it's, it's what you think they do. They, they give out loans. Uh, they're great at giving you advice and help for financing or refinancing your loans, non-traditional loans, um, no-cost refinances if you're eligible. They have 30 or 40 different lenders that they submit to, and they get the best rates for you. Um, I think Albie and Mock have both gone to him. I've talked to Billy before as well. So uh, check out Loan Factory at LoanFactory.com or uh, their Facebook page, which is uh, Loan Factory HQ. And once again, Billy's phone number um, based out of Texas is 469-585-4498. Once again, that's Billy Nguyen at Loan Factory, 469-585-4498. We are okay. recording this on May 5th. I just got a no notification from Billy last night that the rates are back lower than um, that first week of COVID. So um, if you guys are interested in refinancing or even purchasing uh, a home like Timmy, um, definitely, definitely contact them. Thanks, guys. See you next week.